Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So with that, we're just going to be talking about uh, this series that God has placed on my heart. It's extremely important, I believe, even as Galen was prophesying to our church, it's a new beginning. It's a starting place. And for each one of us, before we end up somewhere, we have to know where we start, right? If you want to end up somewhere good, you have got to get yourself centered in the right starting place. Because you can have a really good roadmap. You can have a roadmap to Kaladis, which we all want to go to when this is over, right? Amen. Come on now. And if you didn't get there before church, you really want to get there in between services, right? So you could get a roadmap to Kaladis, but if that roadmap was from this church to Kaladis, and you were starting from your house, you're going to get lost. Even a good roadmap, right? Get a good roadmap, but you have a bad starting place or the wrong starting place, you can end up anywhere. And you don't want to just end up anywhere, right, church? You want to, we, I hope as a church, we want to end up where God wants us to be. It's his preferred destiny for us. We just got through a series on Romans. So we're talking in Romans, and we're just digging in deep about how God has shaped us and that he made us for something good, right? And we are unpacking this concept of what predestination is in Romans 8. We're predestined to be in, made in the image of Jesus. That's pretty rad. It's amazing that God destined us for something perfect, and that's to be shaped like him. But in order for us to truly, as a church, not just as individuals, get there, we've got to get rooted in our starting place. We have to know that our starting place is in the right place. So we're going to talk about identity. When we talk about identity, it's really about who do I identify with or who, what do I identify with? Myself. Take me, myself. What do I identify myself with? Place my trust in and believe this is who I am. How many of you know in our culture, in our world, we've got some identity crisis going on? Little I, I, we got some false identity. We have some pl- misplaced identity. Our whole nation doesn't know who we are. If the church doesn't know who she is, our nation's in trouble. If our church doesn't know who she is, this church right here, our city's in trouble. We're we're called to be the city on a hill, the light that can't be hidden. Our job as the church is to bring transformation to the world around us. If we don't preach, who does? If we don't love, who does? But if we have a misplaced identity or or an identity crisis as a church— then we're not going to be of much value to our city around us, are we? That's why I really believe that God wants us to just dig in here and get our starting place right, not only as a church, but then as individuals. Because for you and I to be a healthy church, we have to be healthy individuals. And if if we're going to reach our maximum potential as individuals, we have to have our starting place as individuals right. Then that allows our families to have healthy starting places. Then our ministries have healthy starting places. And they're identifying with the right things. And guess what? All of a sudden, our church has got our identity head screwed on straight. That sounds pretty good to me. Colossians 2.1 says this. I want you to know, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. 
so that they may have the full riches. Anybody want the full riches? Of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So my purpose, God's purpose, this is Paul teaching church at Corinth, I mean uh, at Colossae or whatever. He's, whatever. He's teaching somebody. He's teaching you and me, right? He wants us to understand that us being united in love is going to unlock the full riches of understanding. So you want to get your identity rooted in someplace good. I want to be a part of a church that is rooted into a community that our identity is so, so strong that, that it's bound together in this way in love that we're making this radical, full riches kind of impact in our community around us. I don't want to be a halvesy church. Is fullsy a word? Can we be a fullsy church? Is that a thing, pastor? Is that a thing? It's a thing if I want it to be. I just got approval. I want the full measure. And it's, it's an unlocking of the full riches of complete understanding. Man, if we understand it, we can do it. If we understand it, we can be it. If we believe it and we believe who we are, then all of a sudden our feelings, our drivers all start to move towards the right thing. But we've got to get our identity rooted in the right thing. And it's first that we're united in love, guys. We've gotta have this unity that is driving us to reach our maximum potential, but it's to stay together. If we get divided, then we have all this weakness and division is the enemy's plan for the kingdom. But unity is God's plan for the kingdom. And so you have to believe this, this is one of the things to get your identity, you have to understand that God made his church to be in unity, one. And so he's not breaking it apart into all these sub-little categories and things so that each one of us gets to do what we want to do most or what we think is best for us. God is trying to bring us together so we can reach our maximum potential in him. So his identity for his church is unity. His identity for his church is love. And his love is the thing that binds us all together. It's what pulls everything all together. So we need to operate. We need to have this vision in our mind that we're going to be a church. And this is why I'm doing this series. Because I have this vision that our church is going to be this amazing powerhouse in our city and state. Leading, I mean, every single person in this state should be able to hear, deserves to hear, that Jesus lives, loves, and saves. How do we get there? But we have to be a church that's totally unified and reaching our maximum potential to then lead people to Christ, disciple them, train them up, and send them out and plant churches. How about hundreds of churches in our own state? We give our, so into our state our best. Yeah, every village, every tribe, every, every nook and cranny of our city, nobody left out. But the only way we're going to reach that is if we start with our identity in the right place. I want to read to you um, uh, just what Jesus taught us about how to build. He gave us this beautiful framework on how to build, and it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. If you have Bibles, you can turn there, or you can conveniently look at the screen as I've provided for you an, a leisurely experience with Jesus, okay, with the Bible. You can encounter him right now. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. What? 
I got to do something. Hear, do. Everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like, you can say like. So I like, I'm like. Now you got to be like a valley girl today, okay? You're like this, and then you're like that. You're like a wise, I'm like a wise man. You're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Oh, that sounds pretty good. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Look, I grew up in Nikiski. All of you guys know that. Who's been there? Whoa. Why? <laughs> Road trip. I got to see that chemical plant he grew up next to. I got to do that. All right. Now look. Nikiski is known for a lot of great things. <clears throat> One of the things that it's not known for is wise building. God bless all of you. Some of you built some wise houses. It's great. But I've seen some amazing things. When we think about building, lots of times we just think about the structure itself. Oh, wise builder, he counts the cost. He thinks about what we're gonna build. And then they plan it out and they make sure they have all the resources and they build and they get it to completion and it looks good when it's done and it's sound when it's done. All that's good, right? That's important, that the actual framing and all of those things, the foundation, all of that stuff is built good. <clears throat> but not everybody, okay, so when you go to Nikiski, not everybody adheres to that. Some people think stacking trailers on top of each other is wise master building. Not true. Connexes or connex villages, right? Some people use cars for fences. Right? Uh, some people think Visqueen is a real building material. Duct tape. Uh, right? And some people, and this is what's even more amazing. So the way they build is, is not exactly, you know, up to what we would say OSHA safety standards or building code, all right? But then there's other unique things is that in Nikiski, people also build their houses right up as close to the bluff as they can possibly build them. And you know, when I grew up, I remember driving by and be like, whoa, that house is really close to the bluff. And then after a couple of years, I'm like, more than just a little close, that house is literally hanging over the bluff. And the wind would blow and the rains would come and it would just undermine on the edge of that bluff, the foundation till literally I saw houses hanging nearly half off the edge of the bluff. And then I saw a dude still go into that house. <laughs> Living in it. Yeah, I think there's a huge patch of mushrooms or something out in front of his house and i eating those things, going crazy or something. I don't know what he's doing, but he was not exactly the wisest of people. We, sometimes we wanna get some kind of advantage. We think, oh, I'm gonna scoop my house right up to the edge of the bluff. It's gonna be great. I'm just gonna live right there. We don't think through and ask ourselves, is this the best place to start building? So God has a better place. He has a place. He, he wants you and I to build on the rock. See, the rock for us is Jesus himself. 
We learn how to place our identity or we place our life instead of in other things. And this is the principle you get. If you want to understand what building on the sand is, it's when you build on something that can move. If you build your life on something that can move, you build your house on something that could move, you're in trouble. But building on the rock, when you build your life on the rock that is Christ, guess what? Jesus can't move. God is the same today, yesterday, forever. Present, past, future, he is. And that's why when Moses asked him, who are you? He said, I am. Is that good enough for you? I sure hope so. God is immovable. And this is one of the most theolo important theological things you can grasp and understand is God doesn't change. So who is he? And the only thing you could possibly build on in your life that would never change or move is God himself. It, now, you also have to understand that you and I, we are made for worship. We're like constructed as worship beings. There's a space in all of our life that's made for what we call the Godhead. And we believe that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three identities or parts of one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? But you're made to have something in this Godhead place in your life. It's, it's taking up this space. And you know what? You worship what's in the Godhead. You identify with what's in the Godhead in your life. What's, what's in your Godhead and is it immovable? Does it move around? It, you, you have to consider this. Now listen, we can put all kinds of things in the Godhead and we're born and we're just creatures. We just start sticking stuff up there. Just start putting it up there. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I was so lost. I'd never even opened the Bible. I didn't know Jesus. Uh, Jesus was a cuss word. I didn't know who the baby in the manger was. It was so weird to me. It was like, why does Santa need a baby? I was a lost, lost kid. <laughs> Living in those trailers and stuff in the Kiski, all right? Uh, it was a dangerous place to be. Lots of stuff moving around for me. I remember I'm like, man, well, maybe I'm going to be a skateboarder. So I grow my hair out and I got this sweet mullet to flap in the wind. Everybody wished they had one, right? And then the greasy mullet was in, so it's like, don't take a shower. You don't want that thing getting clean and you want it to be like nice and drippy. <laughs> so nasty, okay? Why was that a cool thing? Hammer pants. And I'm like, I'm going to wear those stinking awesome hammer pants. I mean. How many of you guys confess you wore hammer pants because you thought you, that's who you identified with? You wore them too, Mike. <laughs> I knew I loved you. I knew I loved you. <laughs> then I began to identify, oh, this little stoner group. And I was like, smoking weed is so gross and nasty, but I want a friend. I want to be something. Then I was in band. I went to be a band nerd. Then I got into sports, right? And I was lost and lonely. And I had, everything was moving. My friends would move. They'd change on me. They would not like me the next day. And then all of a sudden, my life overturns. I'm like, I was so depressed inside. Because I had nothing that was stable in my life. My mom and dad split up when I was young. And I thought they were going to get divorced. And somehow they got back together. And then it was just like everything was chaos for me when I was young. Because 
What was in my Godhead space was moving. Had no stability. But when my beautiful bride, now to be, because she told me, there's a God-shaped hole inside your heart, and the only thing that's ever gonna fit inside that space is Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and came on me and said, I'm real, and this is what you're searching for. The Godhead that's immovable. You need me, I'm Jesus, I'm the rock that you can build on, I don't move around. I'll be stable for you. So when I begin to see God right, begin to see who he really is, and understand that he is the one true God, immovable, unshakable, he is, he's the great I am. Oh man, when I start to see him there and I understand I'm made to worship him, now my identity, my anxiety, my fear, my worry, my control in my life begins to just sift down and work its way out of my life because now my fear is placed in trust in him. The immovable God. When I put my trust in the Godhead of money or a thing, all of a sudden I have a thing. Oh, I need money. Money's gonna make me feel secure. We're all afraid of if things go bad. And we look to our Godhead, whatever we put in our Godhead space, to take control and provide for that. And so if money is your Godhead, then you're gonna try to, you're just gonna live for it. You live and worship what your Godhead is. So you're gonna live for money. And just put everything into it and save it and store it and protect it and then that's it. And then it's, you're living for it and it, you actually are worshiping it. But guess what? Money can move. It can move quick. Anybody have a 401k or had a 401k? When 9-11 happened, you're like, what happened to my 401k? 2008, you're like, oh, I thought it couldn't get any worse. But it did. What are you living for? How about people? You ever put a person? Oh, man. If I, some young ladies, right? And I hear this sometimes. Single, oh, the single ladies. The single ladies, right? You have all the single ladies in the room. You Living for something. Oh, I got to have a husband. I, if I don't have a husband, then I'll never be okay because I'm supposed to be a wife. See, if I see that I am wife, then I have to have a husband. And all of a sudden, instead of Jesus, the rock is in the Godhead space. No, husband, the sand, is movable, is in there. Can you guarantee you're gonna land a husband? No. Even if you have the best prophecy, I'm telling you, you might have the best prophecy. Well, God said, I'm going to have myself a husband. He's going to love the Lord, and he's going to serve him. He's going to be so good, he's going to make lots of money. Dude, I don't, you can declare that thing, okay? Declare it. Speak it over your life. Amen. I am in faith there with you. But Jesus better be your Godhead. Jesus better be the top thing that's identifying you because really you need a daddy. You don't need a husband. Your husband can move. Can you guarantee, even if you have a great husband, all the great husbands, Robert, you're a great husband. I love you. You're amazing. Be like Robert in Jesus' name. He's an amazing husband. 
even if you're as awesome as Robert at being a husband, you know what, we can't guarantee, Eleanor, you can't guarantee Robert's can be here tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, can be here for a thousand years, a hundred years, thousand to be too many. Hundred to be too many. How about another 40? Can I give you 40? Can you give it 35? 50, 50, we'll give you 50, all right, sold, $50, 50 more years. <laughs> but there's no guarantee. And if Robert is Eleanor's Godhead, then if Robert dies tomorrow, God forbid, all of a sudden, the thing we worship is now sand and it's eroded away. The storm of life has taken it from us and we are like a reed waving in the wind. We have no bearing. We don't know which way we're supposed to go or what we're supposed to do. But when Jesus, the eternal God, is our Godhead, when the Father God who identifies us as children, his kids, when he moves into his rightful place in our heart, our life, and we identify with him who's immovable, nothing can shake us. Nothing can move us. Life around you can't move you. Nothing can shake you. Oh, come on. That's the kind of church God wants to build. That's the kind of marriages he wants to build. And that's the kind of families he wants to build. Is the immovable families, man. Unshakable families. Nothing can touch you when your rock is Christ. Man, I want to build on the rock. I want to build on the rock. We have to see God correctly. And we have to put him in the right place in our life. And if we see God as this big, bad father... Even if we get God in the right place, now he's in the Godhead space, and we get him in the right place, but we see him wrong. God, you're a punisher. You're, a, you're just a disciplinary God who's always on my case, trying to get me to measure up and be okay and perform and do what's right. Now all of a sudden I feel like I'm just in the army. Like I'm literally been conscripted in the army and we were just talking about this the other day. Uh, Pastor Galen was telling me when he was in boot camp, they'd like give him a little shovel. You get in trouble and they go move this pile of dirt over here. You're like, I'll move the pile of dirt. And then you come over and they're like, why'd you move that pile of dirt, you idiot? Move it back over here. Then move the pile of dirt back over there. If we see God as a militaristic father that's just disciplining us for no reason because, oh, we just barely get to make it into heaven because we're just a bunch of dirty little kids that don't deserve to be in. If we see him as that kind of daddy, then all of a sudden we're going to respond to him in a very fearful and timid way. And be, oh God, do you, do you accept me? Do you love me? Can I just be a part? Can you just let me in? I'll see even though I'm so dirty. Can I just come in? But God wants you to see him. We got to see him right. See, when we see God as not a disciplinary bad father that's just trying to hammer down on us, but we see him as a loving father who cares about his kids and actually sent his son to die for you. And at, we read Romans, if you guys go back in the Romans series, it talks about Romans 8, that he actually predestined you to be like his son, but he loved you, he chose you, he made you right, he made you righteous, he put you in that place, and then he gave you his glory. He did all the work. He came to do all the work to clean you up so you could be his kids. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know this is a confident knowing and understanding that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God is good. And he has what's good for his kids. He has that in mind for you. 1 John 4.16 says, and so 
We know. I love this. This is the intimate knowing. This is the understanding intimately that I know and I am known and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Come on. We see God right and he's in the right place. We're building on the rock. We see God right. God is love. God is good. God is love. We say it all the time, right? And God is good all the time because he never changes. This is an amazing thing, and it cannot be, it is not too simple. Like, don't think, oh, it's just that simple, so I'm not going to listen. If you don't start here, your whole life is going to be terrible. It's going to be one struggle after another, one storm taking out everything you're trying to build over and over again, the sand just being eroded out from underneath you. Please don't do it. Please. See God right. He's good. He's love. And he loves you. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. He's the Father, our Father, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God is love. He is good. And who are you? He's also father. Okay, God is father. And you are kids. You're children. We have to see God right and in his right place, put him in the right place and see him right, then we have to see us right. Identity starts here, guys. Seeing God right and seeing us right. I see me for who I am. And first, you're not the prophecy about you. What? I'm not the prophecy? No! Unless the prophecy is, you are God's kid. That's who you are. You are his kid. And when your identity now gets placed, because what we are also called and made for is worship. God is made to be worshiped and to be Godhead. We're designed for that. And we are made actually for a place inside of who we are. We, our existence, there is a need for us to identify and understand who we are and what we're called to do. Right? We are kids. He's father, we're his children. And he loves us. Right, he loves us. But we're all, and I want you to hear this, listen, we all made for worship. Romans 12, verse one, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Just stick there. You have an identity and a call and an assignment. And to really engage in that relationship with your identity, it's with your Father in heaven. Him is God, Him is Daddy, Him is love, Him is good. You as child. You as a worshiper. You're a child whose first act in your identity is to worship the Father. To love Him, guys, that's what that means. And he's your act, 
It's your pure act of worship to him is then to begin doing things. But we're doing things that are worship to him. They're not who we are. It comes from a secure place in identity in the Father. And when we come from that space and we start moving into all these things, but we're coming from an act of worship and love towards the Father, all of a sudden, this becomes pure, true worship to him. You just serving and doing lots of work in the church, when you think that's who you are, well, I'm just the beautiful, amazing worship leader. That's what I'm called to do. That's who I am. I'm the prophet. I'm the one who's called. I'm just, uh, if I can't prophesy, I'm not a person. I'm not important. See, when all of a sudden our Godhead is the thing we do, now the act of service, if that becomes our Godhead, we get out of control. Because you can't guarantee you can always play a guitar or an instrument and your voice is always gonna work. Can it move? It can move, then it's sand. Can you guarantee a church is always gonna provide a place for you to lead worship up here or pray for people at the altar or set up chairs? Can you guarantee that? No. Can you guarantee that you're always gonna be able to walk Nope. You can't guarantee you can even walk into church. You're like, that's depressing, Pastor. I know. That's why heaven's going to be good. Because it's immovable. It's guaranteed. But everything here that could move or change or shift on us cannot be who we are. It's just an act of service and worship to the Father. And God, I just give that as a true act of worship to you. If it comes from a heart, of where God, Daddy God, is first Daddy God. He's my Father God, and I have my identity rooted in Him correctly, and I see Him right, He's good, and He's love. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm a child, and my act of worship and service is first loving Him back, and then doing things He puts me on assignment to do. And you know what? It's good to use the gifts He gave you to do that assignment. He's pretty smart, actually. He gives you the gifts he puts you on assignment to do. He gives you gifts to do that, <clears throat> many gifts. And whatever assignment <clears throat> is in front of you and you feel God is asking you to do, go do that. But when your identity is in God and not in what you do, you don't get tweaked or mad when some leader in the church, your authority figure says, well, we don't have that space for you right now, but we do have this. You could use other gifts you have to do this. Can you?" Can you submit to your daddy God and just use your heart of service and worship to him? Can you do that? Come on, church. But we have to see him right, see ourselves right, and see our relationship with him right. My relationship with him is immovable, and it is first rooted in love. He's this good heavenly father that just loves me. And when I see, and Mariah preached this amazing message last week. If you did not hear it, get it on podcast. It was really good. That my relationship with God cannot be shifted or moved. Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you. Jesus is the rock and he's immovable. 
You were made to be in relationship with him. Everything about our church coming together and being in unity and reaching our maximum potential is gonna start, it's gonna ignite, it's gonna take off when you and I understand that as individuals, the Godhead in our life is Jesus. Come on. And he's good, he's loving. And he has your best interest in mind. And you and I are, are made for worship. That's why when we sing, man, it's not just songs. It's got to be genuine worship. Love, God, you are so good. I want to be in relationship with you. When we worship, it's relationship building time. Then when I serve and I have an act of service, it comes from just being a kid. It's not what I do. God, I'm just serving you. I'm just doing Daddy God, what you're asking me and putting me on assignment to do, and I'm doing it out of a heart of love. And I know that when you are in the right place, God, nothing can separate me from that. There is nothing that can move my relationship with God. And we need to have a shift right now that we put Daddy God in his rightful place, the immovable place. Amen? Then nothing can shake our church. Nothing can shake our families. You might be here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never done what I did when, when I realized that there's a God-shaped hole inside of me and there's only one thing that can fill that space in your life. You might be feeling like your life is this kind of life that's just floating all around and going all over the place and everything is like that sand just being eroded out from underneath you and it's time to make a shift. God's saying, put me in that space. It's time to do that. There's some people in here, I believe, really need to give their hearts to Jesus today. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? And just every head, head bowed, all the eyes closed in the house today. And if, if you're here and you're saying, that is me, and I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to get out of this sand building. I wanna not build a sand castle with my life. I wanna build on the rock that is Christ. It's so simple, we'll just pray. You can lift your hand right in your seat and we'll pray with you today. If you're here and you say, that's me, will you lift your hand up right now? And, and I'd love to pray with you. Anybody here, Jesus, I'm ready to give my life over to you. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Jesus, I wanna give my life over to you. I'm ready to turn my heart to you. Okay, awesome, let's pray. Pray this with me. Jesus, I believe you're God. And I place you in that seat in my heart, in my life. You are my God. I trust my life with you. Fill me with your love, God. I'm a vessel made for your love. Fill me up right now with your presence. Minister to me your love today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me, church? Before we leave, let's just worship a little bit. But I want to encourage you, make a shift in your heart. God is love. God is love. Eleanor, will you come? Before we worship, we're going to have a few words of knowledge. Thank you, Pastor. You know, the unity begins from our hearts. And this morning, even as I was praying and asking the Lord for words of knowledge, um, He began to lead Robert and I in prayers of inventory of where we were at. And we begin to um, lay some 
some things that are very near and dear to our hearts, even strengths that we have. And we are being very open and vulnerable with each other and with the Lord. And some of those are our gifts. Some of those are our love for the state. Some of those are our ministries. And we just begin to lay those things down. And the Lord gave me that scripture. For you are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in my sight. And as we got through our prayer, Josh asked me to, Pastor Josh asked me to pray about any words of knowledge this weekend. And you know, the Lord is so faithful. He woke me up inconveniently at 5 a.m. <laughs> and so he said, I want you to wake up and look out your window. I woke up, looked out my window, and I saw a car with a couple young guys in it, and they were going through mailboxes. And I began to flip my light switch on and off to let them know, I see you. And they immediately left our neighborhood. That's a word of knowledge. And I just began to pray for them. And then, uh, good thing I was able to fall back to sleep again for a little bit. And then the Lord um, said that he is wanting to bring a health and a wholeness to us. A health and a wholeness to us, not only individually, but collectively as a body. And that he was not only going to heal physical things, but emotional things. And I wrote some things down. He wants to heal anyone here with um, glaucoma. And I asked my husband, what's glaucoma? He said, something to do with the eyes. And I saw... Um, that the Lord wanted to heal not only someone with glaucoma, just receive that today. And then you, uh, there's some that have like spots in your eyes. You see spots. And so just receive your healing today from Jesus. He is the healer. Amen. And then I heard pancreatic cancer. I don't know if anyone has pancreatic cancer in this service or the next or on the web receive your healing today and then i heard thyroid issues any um problems with swallowing any throat issues there and then i also heard um there are some of you that are feeling stuck you're just feeling stuck in your walk with the lord and it feels like no matter how many things that you're doing that you just don't feel like you measure up, that you can move forward. And the Lord just wants you to know that you don't have to do anything. Just wait on me and sit with me and crawl upon your daddy's lap and he will help you to get unstuck just by simply crawling up on his lap today. Some of you are feeling fractured like you feel like you have a lot of dual personalities. I could tell you a testimony about that, but that's not for right now. You feel like Humpty Dumpty. You feel like you're one way in church and you're another way at home and you are another way on your job and you wonder why you're like that. It's from trauma. It's from unhealed issues. 
And the Lord says that he is healing you today. He is putting you back together again. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And he is going to put you back together again, not only individually, but even in your homes and collectively as a church. There is a unity that is coming to our church today. I, it, I sense this even as the ninth month of this year. There, This is a new season of new beginnings. So receive your healings today. And we have people up here that will pray for you. Robert and I will stay and pray for anyone that would like for us to pray. So as we're going to do, we're going to pray right now, and then we're going to close, but invite you to come as the worship team goes and receive uh, prayer. If anybody had those words of knowledge, that was you, do not walk out and go, well, that was cool. And just walk out. Come town and receive prayer for your healing and for change. Amen? Come on, get yourself identi identified with him. Let's pray. Father, we receive your word, receive the prophet in the house, and we receive the prophet's reward. God, you are going to move on our hearts today and move through our lives. And so, Jesus, will you heal? Heal the eye, uh, the glaucoma, God. Will you heal the fractured identity, God? Will you heal and transform our lives in you today, Lord? We submit and surrender our lives to you, Father God. We need you. We place our hearts and our identity in you, God. We're your kids. You love us. You're good. And we bless your name today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come, receive prayer, or if you need to leave, God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.